chapter number 7. We've been studying the last, I don't know, several months on, uh, on the believer's walk. I'm saved and, and then what? I'm saved and now what? Well, being saved isn't all. Being saved isn't it. Being saved isn't the end. Being saved is the beginning. Uh, that, that's where your old journey is, is over. Your journey through sin and in sin and, and as a prisoner to sin is over. It's ended. It's finished. It's done. And your journey from this point forward is a journey for God. And it's a journey living under the influence of God. But so many times in our life we find ourselves under the influence of more than more times than most. Well, we find ourselves under the influence of others. And that's really, really, really easy to do. But Peter said it best and <laughs> now Peter just couldn't help himself. Matthew, John chapter number 6. Did I say Matthew? Yes. I'm sorry. John chapter number 6. I apologize. It has been that kind of day and that kind of week. I find myself every now and then say, God, why in the world is, is this happening? Why in the world is, is the wind blowing so hard? Why in the world are we facing freezing temperatures the next few days? I live in Louisiana for a reason. And I had a guy tell me today, and he's not a church-going man, but he, uh, he used to be. <laughs> Maybe one day he will again, but I was talking to him on the job today. And he's an electrician, and he said, even whenever I get shocked, I understand that God let that happen for a reason. And my grandpa used to say when you hit your hand with a hammer instead of the nail that you're supposed to give thanks for it. My daddy says the same thing, and I, I, just, I just hadn't quite caught on to that trend. But today Greg said that even whenever he gets shocked, he understands that God has a reason for it, and he's thankful that that, that shock didn't kill him. And he's thankful that that shock kept him probably from hurting himself even worse. And he said everything happens in God's time, everything happens in God's season, and everything happens for God's reason. And I, I really appreciated him saying that this morning. Because a lot of times we look at things completely and totally backwards. Like somebody's out to get us, like the world is, is going the opposite direction of us, and, and God just does not have our best interest at heart. And uh, Tonight, I want to assure you that he does. Sometimes it may not feel like it, but he does. John chapter number 6, verse number 66. John chapter 6, verse number 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Now this is about the middle of Jesus' ministry. Uh, and he's done all sorts of things. He's performed all sorts of miracles. He has provided for these people. He has taught these people. He has lived with these people. He has prayed with these people. He has suffered with these people. He has lived and, and eaten and breathed and, and did everything with these people. A disciple is, is not necessarily the 12 apostles, but it is a learner of Christ. And throughout his ministry, he had more than just you know 11 apostles. Uh, he had disciples that would follow him, disciples that would learn of him. And from that time, many turned away. If we read in verse 65, Jesus said, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. No man can approach Jesus, and, and, and we understand that a lot today is no man can approach salvation. Nobody can 
can be saved unless the Holy Spirit first calls them, unless God first calls them, and unless they are first convicted of their sin. And Jesus said that no man can come unto me except it were given to him of my Father. No man can come and, and learn of me. And not everybody can pick up the Bible and, and read the words of life the way that a saved person can. Does that make sense? It's, it's, it's Holy Spirit revealed to us. It's, it's God breathed, but it's, it's God interpreted too. And so a lot of people turned away from him. They misunderstood him. They mistook him. They, they didn't want no more of it. They said, well, we're wasting our time. We're, we're, we're done. We're finished. We're going home for whatever reason. And we're not going to get into excuses tonight. But Jesus looked uh, at the 12 and he said, will you also go away? And Peter, like he always does, he had the absolute best answer. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Tonight I want to talk just for a minute on the company that we keep. We've talked about being saved and we've studied on knowing that we're saved. Knowing for sure that we're saved. We've studied on forgiveness and we've studied on studying the Bible. We've studied on prayer. We studied the, the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. We studied on, on God Himself, praying to Him, living for Him. We studied on the dangers of our tongue, and tonight we're going to study on the danger of our company. Do you believe that you can be influenced by the people around you? It happens every day. They have these people on social media. You know what they call them? Influencers. You know why? Because whenever they start wearing a pair of shoes, they put it on social media. And the three and a half billion people that follow them go out and buy that same pair of shoes. Because what they're promoting is, is not necessarily a good product, but they're promoting anything and everything through their own image. Through what people think of them, through what, how people feel about them. Even though most people have never met them and never will. They look at them as, as somebody to look, be looked up to. They looked at them as, as somebody, well, if they do this, it must be right. And the majority of influencers today are, in fact, wrong. But they influence a lot of people in a lot of ways to do a lot of things. And why, why can't we be greater influencers for God? What is holding us back? So many times it's that we are the follower instead of the, the one to be followed. We are the one that if somebody has that, that really nice hunting jacket and it's a name brand, that, that we want a hunting jacket just like that. Or if somebody gets a, a pair of shoes and they're this color and they're really unique, then all of a sudden we want a pair of shoes like that. And I'm not saying that's bad. I don't have very many pairs of shoes, but some of you, I don't, I don't judge but whenever it comes to, to being one that is followed, we understand that whether or not we want to or not, we influence others. We influence people around us. We influence not just our families, but our coworkers, strangers. We influence all sorts of, of all kinds of people. And oftentimes we only repeat Actions, behaviors, words, methodologies, <laughs> theologies. We only repeat what we've heard. 
We repeat what we've seen. We mock behavior and then model it for others. And that's how a certain behavior or a certain word or a certain phrase or a certain way of doing things, that's, that's how it spreads. Somebody sees it, they like it, they mock it, they model it, it passes on. But too many times in, in the Christian faith, that cycle is broken. Because we don't have the attitude of Peter. We have the attitude of everybody else. I found myself in, in life having the attitude of everybody else. Say, so what's the point? What is the point? Whenever COVID ended and everybody started getting back to church, several churches quit having church on Sunday nights. And I asked a couple of the men about it, and, and a couple of them have been here. And I asked one about it this past summer. I said, well, how come y'all don't have Sunday night service? He said, people quit coming. And, and this is a direct quote. He said, people quit coming. And there was no point in meeting with just a few people. There's a friend of mine, their church don't have service on Wednesday nights. They have service on Sunday mornings, they have service on Sunday evenings, that's it. They had it on Wednesday for a while, they went to Tuesday, they went back to Wednesday, and now they've cut it out completely. And when I ask it, it seems like the same answer, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was along the same lines of folks just quit coming, nobody shows up anymore, and there's no point. So I ask you, what is the point? What is the point? Brother Dean stood up here in Sunday school this past week, and whenever Sunday school began, there were eight people that he was teaching Sunday school to. That's not a very big group, unless you're used to teaching three, and then it's a big crowd. But what is the point? What is the purpose if... If the people that we witness to just don't seem to get it. What is the point if, if the folks that we've been praying for seem to be getting further and further and further away from conviction of the Holy Spirit? What is the point? Why keep doing it? The world will tell you and, and people that want to talk you out of Christianity completely. I'll tell you that you're beating the air. You're spitting in the wind. It's not doing you any good. Just there, going through the motions. As Christians, sometimes we can feel that way. And whenever we do, it, it's because of our mindset. We have lost the... I heard a guy say one time, he said, your compass needle is pointing the wrong direction. It's lost its north. It's, it's lost the way that it's supposed to be pointing. And in our life, it is easy for us to be influenced by others, to be influenced by, by, by other churches and theologies and other people and, and even influenced by our own thoughts in ways that are contrary to the Word of God. And Peter said it best. Jesus said, will you also go away? Will you lose the point? Will you lose the purpose? Will you decide that it is no longer worth it? It's, it's just not worth it. There's a church in Natchez, Mississippi. Beautiful, beautiful church. 
it shut down after COVID. And I saw a couple of the members at the association meeting this past year. They were up there at Sanford, and I asked them, they said, well, we couldn't afford to keep the lights on. It wasn't but two of us still going there. Two families, a man and his wife, and then one other family. That was it. They'd been without a pastor for six or seven years, and they couldn't get people to keep filling in, and, and it was down to two of them. Everybody else had just left. He said we couldn't keep the lights on. So we sold our house and they moved to Wiggins, Mississippi so that they could still go to church. Got up and moved to go to church. They said we couldn't keep the lights on. Jesus said, will you also go away? And Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Whenever we begin to think that that what is the point, what is the purpose, why keep doing this, why keep berating ourselves, why keep hounding other people, and, and we call it that because a lot of times if, if that's done to us, that's what it feels like. Whenever you're constantly trying to witness to someone, constantly trying to invite them to church, read the Bible to them, quote scripture to them, tell them about Jesus Christ, and, and all they ever do is seem to push you further and further away, their heart seems to get harder and harder and harder, and they just don't want to come, or maybe it's somebody even in the church that, that you're trying to witness to and trying to encourage, and, and they just don't seem to come, they don't seem to show up, they don't seem to, to have a heart for it, or maybe it's a kid or even an adult that don't know Jesus Christ, and, and you're trying to, to introduce them to the Lord, you're, you're trying to introduce them to Jesus, and they, they just don't want anything to do with it. It's, it's in one ear and out the other. They're completely and totally ignoring you. Do you stop? Do you quit? Do you just hang it up and say, whoop de doo Every time Jesus came to a point in his ministry that he began to teach and preach things that were contrary to fleshly nature, the multitudes left him. The book of Luke outlines this better than any other because every time a multitude left Jesus, Luke wrote it down. He said the multitudes went away. Go look in the book of Luke and, and see if you can find how many times the multitudes went away. It was every time. Did Jesus stop? Jesus never stopped. Why? Jesus never slowed down. Jesus never said, well, I'm, I'm done with this. They're, just, they're too far gone. He never said that. You know why? He never forgot the point. He never forgot the purpose. He, he never forgot the reason he was here, the reason he came, the, the mission he was on. And Peter didn't either. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And as we're living in this world and, and being in this world but not of this world and, and being next to this world but not a part of this world, If we maintain focus on the point, the song says, just one more soul. Just one. There's no telling how many people we could influence for Jesus if we put as much work into it as the TikTokers. Right? If we put as much work into it as the Instagrammer, how much influence could we have? Let me bring it a little closer home. If we put as much work into it as the Jehovah Witnesses, how much influence could we have? 
That's something. When's the last time that we went and knocked on doors and invited people to Jesus? Invited folks to church. Handed out Bibles. Had the opportunity this week a couple of different times. Being down there in the hospital, waiting rooms, had people in them. And and I had several opportunities to to try to witness and, and have prayer with several people. It seems like everybody I met was a Christian. They swore they was. But it's funny how many people that around here probably aren't. Several years ago, I started doing that. I'd start here at the church and I'd go a different direction once a week and and I'd try to knock on doors and see who answered. And then they would say, well, I'm a member of Harmony Baptist Church. I said, well, I'm the pastor. We'd love to have you one day because I've never seen you before. Everybody says they're a member of a church. Everybody says they're a member of a church. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody says they're a member of a church. Whenever you're asked, do you know Jesus? That should not be your answer. I'm a member of this church. I'm a member of that church. Does that make sense? If I ask you, Brother Terry, do you know Jesus Christ? Your answer should not be, well, I'm a member of Harmony Baptist Church. I believe with all of my heart that there's probably been people down through time that has been a member of this church died and gone to hell. And that's probably the case with every church. Being a member of a church ain't got nothing to do. Nothing to do with salvation here or so. But everybody wants to say that they were a member of the church. Member of the church. Being an influencer begins with, with us and getting our heart ready. Reading and studying God's word to, to allow him to recall to our mind his scripture. But we would be plumb dangerous if we worked as hard on influencing people for God's word as we did everything else. We would be absolutely dangerous. And it begins with the, the, the way that we are influenced, what we are influenced by. And I'm, we're finally going to get to the point tonight. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs Chapter number 13. Proverbs chapter number 13. If we are going to influence others for Christ, if we are going to influence others for Jesus, then we have to be very careful of what, who, and how we are influenced by. Right? Let me give you an example. The best truck ever made was made by General Motors. Every one of them. General Motors is the only company that's ever made a decent truck. Only one. Ford, Dodge, Nissan, none of them ain't no good. General Motors is the only one. And I know that because that's all that I've ever owned. Well, I'll give you two chances to guess what kind of vehicle my parents owned. Anybody want to take a stab at it? They own General Motors vehicles. My grandparents owned General Motors vehicles. That's all they ever owned. And so I was influenced by them because they talked high about it. Well, this one, this one lasted me forever, and this one is easy to work on, and this one was made in America. This was back in the 90s they were made in America. And so when I grew up, got my driver's license, first truck that I bought, Chevrolet. I was influenced by the people around me. In Proverbs chapter 13, 
Verse number 20, Solomon said, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. We are the company that we keep. I wrote it down in my quote book, Brother Terry, that Sunday that you were teaching Sunday school, and you said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I love that quote. Because we become the company that we keep. You hang around somebody that uses a phrase long enough, and chances are you're going to begin to use that phrase. Hang around somebody that, that, that does a certain finicky little thing, chances are you're going to start doing that certain finicky little thing. We pick up those things from the people that are around us. Two nights ago, my dog ran out, and he, he's killed all kind of animals around there. That was in my chicken pen. He's killed a couple of raccoons and uh, several possums and even a couple of snakes. Well, I got him turned out with my goats and my cows right now. And, uh, night before last, he killed uh, one of them little black things with the white stripe down his back. Drug it up under our house. So at about 3.15 in the morning... Emily woke me up, Brad, do you smell that? No, I was asleep, but now that I'm up, I smell it. She said, I think something's under the house, and about that time I heard the dog hollering and barking. I said, yep, it just sprayed up underneath our house. Today I went out there to feed him, and he jumped up on the fence. I always pet him, and you know what he smelled like? Skunk. We have two other dogs that run around, and those dogs were nowhere near the skunk. Those dogs were nowhere near my house. But they've been running around and playing with my dog lately. And guess what both of those dogs smell like right now? Skunk. Every dog on Cooper Hill right now smells like skunk. But only one of them got in it. Now let's apply that to the Bible. We pick up things from the company that we keep. We become, in a lot of ways, like the company that we keep. You pick out a bunch of bad habits that you have and look at your daddy and see who you got it from. Look at your grandpa. Look at your mama. Look at your uncles that you hung around with all the time. Look at the people that you work with and see if you hadn't picked up words and phrases and habits and demeanors from them. It happens all the time. People influence us without us ever even knowing it. And so many times we are influenced by everything in so many ways, but by the word of God so very little. How great of an influence is the word of God in our life? How great of an influence do we allow it to have? Because some things we can stay so far away from. You know, if you stay five or six feet away from that dog, you won't smell like skunk. It's true. As long as you don't go over there close to it, you're not going to smell like skunk. And if we distance ourselves from things that we don't need to be a part of, from things that we ought not, company we ought not be keeping, then we're not going to smell like skunk. And on the other side of it, we can go dump tomato juice all over them and make them smell better. Because instead of them influencing us, we can have an influence on them if we live for God the way that he wants us to. Solomon said, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And so many people mistake scripture like this. To say that we are not supposed to hang around with sinners. How many times in the Bible do we find where Jesus sat down and ate food with righteous people? You make him pick out three in the New Testament. Where Jesus sat down and had a meal with righteous people. 
or with people that consider themselves to be close to righteous. But the majority of times, whenever Jesus had a meal, whenever Jesus entered into somebody's house, it was he entered into the house of a sinner. He entered into the house of someone who was considered to be, especially by the majority, unclean. But Jesus was trying to reach them. Jesus wasn't being influenced by them. He was trying to influence them. So many times in our life, instead of being influenced by the gospel, instead of being influenced by the word, we go out and, and we, we're trying to witness to these people and we're trying to, 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 to reach these people for Christ. But if we stay too long, we'll act like that. If we stay too long, we'll go there. If we stay too long, we'll end up being just like, just like the person that we were trying to help in the first place. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. First Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 11. Paul said, but now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man is called a brother, be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, a railer, drunkard, or extortioner, with such a one not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? Do ye not judge them that are within? But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away yourselves from that wicked person. Paul is not saying don't try to witness to them. He said don't keep company with them. He never said don't try to, to, to reach them for Christ. He said don't hang out so long with them that you get the stink on you. That you begin to act that way. That you begin to think that way. That you begin to talk that way. 2 Corinthians Chapter 6. Paul once again, verse 14. He says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So he goes from don't keep company with wicked people to not being yoked up with unbelievers. And a lot of people drag this back to marriage. But I believe this is any kind of partnership. Near about any kind of friendship. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The book of 1 John, chapter number 2. Book of 1 John, chapter number 2. Verse number 15. John said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. As Christians, we can see it a whole lot clearer than everyone else can. 
We can see it a lot better than a lost world can. They see it as fun. They see it as entertaining. They see it as something that they desire to be a part of. They see it as something that is wonderful and awesome and great. You know, that is the reason they put flashy lights on all these sinful things. That's the reason there's, there's flashing lights on everything because that's what attracts your attention. But the flashing lights is nothing more than electricity. It seems like all it does is draw people in closer and closer and closer and closer. And by the time you get in, by the time you get there, you're of the mindset, well, it won't hurt much. Well, it's only a little bit. Y'all ever got a bag of Lay's potato chips, open them up and ate one chip? They used to say on the back of the bag, you can't have just one. Used to be a slogan. You ain't going to open the bag and just eat one and then close the bag up and put it back. If you do, you're a strong, strong-willed individual. Sinning's the same way. Keeping company with sinners is the same way. Be an influencer. Not the one that's influenced. And in order to be an influencer in the world of the word, we have to first be influenced by the word. And that is another step that we must take in our walk as a believer. We'll ask for a verse for song at this time.